Well, hey guys, thank you for being here with us on uh, Back to Church Sunday. I want to thank the really staff and for the Hargroves for doing all of the coffee stuff out front and the donut bar. If you didn't get a chance to get a donut covered in bacon, then uh, you're going to have to wait for another time till we pull that together. But thank you guys who are involved with that. Thank you for, uh, for you guys who have brought people. Uh, for an event like this today, because this is just a, a day for us to just kind of put things back into a habit of coming back and being here. And so this is a Back to Church Sunday. It's a national thing, and, and it's something that we want to celebrate, we want to do. If you're somebody who have been in church forever, or you've only been a few times or never, this is a day for all of us to say this is priority. So let me ask you this, as we get started today, have you ever really, though, been to a place where you've said, why am I here, though? Maybe for this morning, you're here in this room and you were invited and you thought, you know, what am I doing here, right? Maybe you've been here for often enough and you asked that question. I think it's a good question to ask of why, why am I here? Let me think about this. Maybe you've ever sat in a business meeting before, right? And you probably have had those where you just begin to talk over and over and over about stuff and eventually you just say, what am I doing here? Well, I, I remember I was at a, a big business meeting one time, and for a year, we had been talking about the name change that was going to take place. And then we got to the meeting a year later. We had all been talking about it for a year, and we had to wait until the next official meeting to finally do it because it was thrown out there. And then we spent hours again on the floor just going through and thinking, what am I doing here? Like, I could have been eating somewhere else already, and here I am hours into this, once again, going through all of this stuff. Maybe it's because you feel out of place. You ever been to a party where you dressed a certain way and nobody else did? <laughs> now, for me, it's usually the, that everybody dressed nicer, and I did not. I remember being at a black tie party one time, and I did not know that that's what it was. There were women walking around with mink you know, coats on, and I'm thinking, oh my goodness, this is not where I should have been, right? But all of us have got those experiences, right, of where we have kind of found ourselves, what am I doing here, why? And so we should ask the question, why am I at church? Maybe for you, you've been coming to church for years and years and years. Maybe you're one of those people that were born in a Baptist hospital like my dad was, who's got the little certificate of, of, that he belongs to the, you know, the group of Baptists that were there. And you could say, I've been in church. Some of you guys were brought to church the very next week, right? And you've been in church ever since then. Have you ever stopped and said, why do I do this? And I think that for the person who's been in church that long, should ask the same kind of questions that the person who maybe is here for the second or third or maybe, you know, fourth or fifth time. We should all be asking the same question, why do this? Now think about that question, though. Let's just get one thing straight before we even start this question of why do we come to church. We don't come to church, Christians, because we have to or we're going to go to hell if we don't, right? Let's just start, like coming here today, being in this room is not what shields you from the judgment to come. God's not going to look and say, well, they've got a lot of great attendance at the church today. I saw the car. They used to check boxes back in the old days that I was there. They stopped checking, but I've still kept track, right? Like, like that, you coming into this building, your attendance here does not equal attendance or entrance into heaven. So let's get that one out of the way. 
Well, why do we come here? Well, for some people, we make church to be all about the fellowship. It's not really to be that we just get a chance to meet and hang out with each other. Right? I mean, sometimes I remember one time we were going through a process. I was at a church and we were looking at, like, why do we exist? And the only thing that could come up with is, well, we have great Christian fellowship with each other. There's plenty of places that you can have fellowship with people, but, but sometimes we might treat church like this is just a good place to meet people, and it's a good place to socialize, and it's, it's good, clean fun right, that we do. And, and that's what it, we make it out to be. But it's got to be more than just that. You know, it's not for social connections, by the way. It's not for the free food, which, by the way, come tonight to... Uh, <laughs> Come tonight to the concert. We have a concert tonight with Tim Menzies. It's going to be an incredible time. Everybody's welcome. Our seniors are hosting it. Uh, and so if you're just hearing about it for the first time, just come. Don't bring anything. Hang out with us. It'll be at 5 o'clock here. Dinner downstairs. But it's not for that, right? We're not here just to put on good, great events, too. We're not here just to be entertained in a good Christian way, right? That's, that's not what this is for. You know, it's not because we're looking for something to do before lunch, Think about this, like, well, you know, Sunday's lunch starts at, you know, 12, and so i got to find something to do with my time. Until then, I just don't know what to do with my time in the morning, right? It's not about that. You know, when I think about it, I always think about that Brad Paisley song, Those Crazy Christians, and he says this at the very beginning of the song. He's writing about Christians around him. He says, those crazy Christians, I was going to sleep in today, but the church bells woke me up, and they're a half a mile away. Those crazy Christians dressed up, driving down my street, get their weekly dose of guilt before they head to Applebee's, right? Like, is it, is it more than that? It's a great song, by the way, if you listen to it. It is more than that. But we all know it, it should be more than, oh, I got I to gotta be made to feel bad about something before I go out and just go eat Applebee's. And by the way, can I just say my preference is you're probably going to feel bad after you eat Applebee's too. So it's just not going to be, I've never, I don't know if anybody has ever had an experience where you thought, Applebee's, that was a stellar dining experience. Like, and if you work at Applebee's, or per, I'm sorry if I've offended you, and, but please come back. I'd love to, love to talk with you more about that. It's not, to, and it's not to be entertained. You know, I remember when we were in, when we lived in Tucson, there was this big uh, uh, banner or there was a big sign as you would drive down the freeway to enter into the town, uh, and it would say things like this, bored, question mark, you won't be here, come to the cool church. And, and, and their whole shtick was, this is a place that you're going to be entertained, and all the other churches around us are stuffy, Right? But not us, right? Listen, there are, let's, let's face it. If I were to say, let's go do something fun this weekend, how many of y'all would put down, church is my entertainment for the weekend, right? How many of us would rather be entertained? Like, this is not where you find prime entertainment. And so if the church is in the entertainment business, we will fail every time to places like Dollywood, which is awesome. It's just too far away. Let's face it. They need to be closer. Right, but we'll, we'll we'll fail if we try to become. We're not Grand Ole Opry, right? We're not. Name it. What kind of fun things you do? This is not the place for entertainment. And so churches that think that we're all about just providing some sort of entertainment for Christian, we we're missing the mark there. That's not who we are. There's way better places that God has gifted other people in other places to provide that. This is not it, though. So what is it? 
today we're going to look and we're going to say really the way that we might be able to answer why we come and what we're here for is going to be just by looking at some things that we see happening in the scriptures of what the church was all about. But it is, it's a day for us to say, well, then why have I really come? I, I hope that you're kind of thinking about that. Maybe you, you've not come a lot because you've had a bad experience in the past with your church. Or, or maybe it's been a long time for you and it's just been maybe holidays. Or maybe you've just come and you've just come because it's been duty, but you've not really ever thought about why should I be here? And, and is there some biblical basis for what we are doing Today, I want to look at really one of those things. I want to begin to say, do we see it in the scriptures of what we should be doing and are we doing it here together? So let me pray and then let's begin to launch and we'll look at some of these passages as we take on this question together. Let's pray. Lord God, I thank you for the scriptures. I thank you, God, that you want to speak to us through your word. And I pray that we just, as we begin to open this up, as we begin to look at what the church should be about, that you would just make it clear to us God, if there's things that we have been doing either out of habit and never doing it out of a heart of service, I pray that today you would work on us. God, if there's been things that we have been missing and, and missing the point of why we should be here, I pray that, God, that you would work and speak to us. Whatever it is that's on our hearts and our minds, I pray that you'd help us to give our attention to you. Lord, I pray that you'd be with the little ones who are next door now that are being uh, loved on and served through the preschool time. God, I pray that you'd work in their hearts, that they would continue to love hearing the name of Jesus sung over them and taught to them. Lord, I thank you for the volunteers who are helping at this time work and disciple them. We pray for everything that's going to happen today that you would be given all the glory. We ask these things in your name, Jesus. Amen. You know, it's important for us to really get this down because we, do, we should know why we're here and what we do this for and so here we are, we're looking today, and one of the first things I want us to look at is just kind of what we have done since we've been here, right? So this morning, you came in, and we started to sing. Have you ever wondered why we, could, why we sing? Maybe some of you are not singers. Maybe some of you have been, and I'm going to say I've been like this in my past, where I would cut out the singing and just show up when I wanted to show up because I didn't want to be for the music part. I didn't like the music. It wasn't my style. It wasn't my thing. And so I, I, didn't, I just thought I'd show up when I wanted to. But what about singing? Why do we sing? What, what's the purpose of when we gather together, we could sing? Well, we see there's a biblical precedent for singing. Here's, here's one of the first verses that we want to look at this morning. It comes from 1 Corinthians Chapter 14, verse 26, and Paul writes this. What then, brothers and sisters, whenever you, by the way, come together, whenever you guys gather together, he says this, each one has a hymn and a teaching and a revelation or a tongue or an interpretation. Everything is to be done for building up. So right off the bat, one of the things that's always been the habit of the church is that when they gather together, songs would be part of what we do. So whether you're musical or not, this is just what the church has always done. Now, you might say, but that's them. They maybe liked music more than we did. I don't think so. Look a little bit more. You'll see what Paul says here. Let the word of Christ richly dwell among you in all wisdom, teaching, admonishing one another. And notice what he says he wants the church to be doing. As they're together, as they're meeting together, they're to admonish each other through what? Psalms and hymns. And spiritual songs, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. 
So all of us need to be people. If we're going to gather together, one of the reasons we gather is because we're commanded to sing together. And, and notice about this, it's not just that we're singing and picking out music that we want to pick out. Now, the word psalms up there is obviously the early church would have sung from the book of Psalms. They'd have been singing some of the scriptures. It was a way to teach them. Did you know that music teaches you something? Maybe you don't think about it. I know for me, growing up, I used to not think that words mattered in songs. And boy, was I wrong when I realized, what did I fill my head with growing up with the kind of music and the bands that I listened to? And then I look at my actions as a result, and I realized there was a correlation between what I was putting in. I may not have been thinking about it at the time, but they eventually stuck. There's a point of when we gather together, what kind of songs that we sing, part of that is you're teaching, you're learning from the Psalms. But notice that other part right here. He says, you're singing these things as gratitude to God in your hearts. It's about coming together and we just praise God for who he is. And so when we sing together, it's not about you. It's not about your preference. It's about, do I look at who God is and do I praise him for it? So part of what we should do when we come together is begin to say, I want to praise God. I want to praise him for who he is, for what he has done. I want to reflect on the week that I've had. I want to reflect on his hand in my life. And I want to sing praises to him as a result. Are you doing that? We should be doing that. Now, I want to go back to that passage that he said right back here in 1 Corinthians, because notice what he says here. So he says, when they gather together, there's a hymn, but then notice what else there is. There's teaching, a revelation, a tongue, or an interpretation. And here's what I, I'm going to say is probably what he's saying here, is he's talking about what happens in that next part of something that we've seen today already. In that is prayer. I think that's what he's talking about when he talks about this revelation or this tongue interpretation, that there's a prayer piece that's involved with it, and then there's a Bible teaching that's in part of it. And so that's the next piece that when we gather together, you, you should be, as we come together as a church, we should have singing, and we should definitely have something to do with teaching the Bible. Notice this passage, this is one of my favorite passages, and, and you look at what the practice of the early church was. In the book of Acts, it says this in Acts chapter 2, verse 42, as the, the, the church has just started, and you'll see this at, right after Pentecost, during that day, it says, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. A couple things that you'll see what the early church did. First time, we'll talk about this in just a second. Teaching was a big part of it. But then they got the fellowship. So there was a piece of they needed to be together. They gathered to encourage each other. We'll talk about that in a second too. This is the breaking of bread. This is taking the Lord's Supper together. There was some things that we're supposed to do that build us up. And then also into prayer. So it was a time where it's not that you just kind of pray silently by yourself, but we're supposed to pray about things together. There's some things that should be on our hearts together as a church. That's why I love when we do this focused prayer time here is because it's something that we should be saying, let's pray about these things together as a church. That should be on our hearts together as a church. Have you ever had trouble, by the way, trying to find things to pray for? Maybe, maybe you're like me where you're like, well, what do I pray for? How do I pray for these things? And I just make a list of things, but I, but I don't know necessarily the best way to pray for things sometimes. And having a group together to pray, it's important because now you can kind of direct your focus in prayer. So that's what they did. But Lotus, one of the big things that we see when we gather together, there should be teaching from the scriptures. Paul writes this, until I come, give your attention to public reading, exhortation, and teaching. That a big part of what it means to gather means that the scriptures should be central. 
We should read the scriptures because it's important. That's, that's, there's power, by the way. Those are God's words that are read. But then notice the other part is that we should be exhorting. We should be teaching. These are all things that the church needs to hear. We need to let the words of scripture speak into our lives. We should have, I would say, if, if we go to a church that never opens this, and if there was ever a time at Oak Valley that we'd never opened the Bible, there would, be never, there would be the time to never come back, right? If the Bible is not central to what we do here, if all we get is fluff or if all we get is stories and not the Bible, then we're not doing what we're supposed to be doing, which is gathering for the teaching. Well, why do we do that? Why is it important that the Bible is taught and open? Because Christ is the head of the church, it says this in Colossians, he is before all things and by him all things hold together. He is also the head of the body of the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead so that he might come to have first place in everything. How can we say Christ is the head and then allow him to be head in our lives if we don't know what he wants from us? How do you know what Jesus wants for the church except through his word? Now, we might say, well, I got a bracelet that says, what would Jesus do? And I just try to think every day about what Jesus would do. But uh, let me just say this. Half the time we wear those bracelets and we're just thinking and imagining what Jesus might do. We've never actually read what he did and what he said. And so the way that we truly want to say, if Christ is the head of my life and he's the head of the church, then he speaks to me and he speaks to me through his word. So I read his word because he's in charge of me. It's him dictating what I'm going to think and what I'm going to do and how I'm going to live. Not the culture. It's not, and by the way, if Christ is the head of church, it's not our church. We don't get to make the rules of what we want to emphasize and what we want to do. We don't get the rules. We don't get to make the rules and say, well, we want to do these things because we like this or we want to be more lenient on this or than on this or we don't want to teach this or that. Like, no, Christ is the head of the church. It's his word that dictates everything that we do. And so that's what we mean when we come together. That's why it should be everything that we do should mean that we read together the scriptures. We study the Bible together. Otherwise, we're missing how he is head over us. We're missing how he speaks to us as the church. And it's great because the truth is for a Christian, we're not waiting out there hoping that we'll get some sort of revelation from God. Yeah, I don't know if you've ever seen you know, the, the, the big joke that sometimes they have on the internet of people saying, I have a word from the God, from the, I have a word from the Lord to you. And people saying, oh yes, please tell me. They're waiting for some ecstatic experience. And he says, open up your Bibles, right? To the, and that's it. I mean, that's really what it is, is. If you open up your Bibles, God will speak to you. And this is what we try to do this every single Sunday. We, we give attention to the readings of scripture. We should be doing this together. But you might say this, though. Hey, look, okay, I can read the Bible by myself. I can pray by myself. I can do all those things, right? You might quote to me the old, and you might say, we, I don't know why we don't sing it. Me and Jesus got our own thing going. We got, one, you know, we got it all going on. We don't need anyone to tell us what it's all about, right? But that's, we're missing something, by the way. Sure, you can do all those things. Sure, you can pray by yourself. And sure, you can sing by yourself. And sure, you can read the scriptures by yourself. But there's something to be said about what we're supposed to do and how this is all supposed to happen together. The church is a place that God has designed that we do these things, not just by ourselves. And you should be doing them by yourselves by your, when you're out there. But you should also be doing it here, that we should come together to do this. We're commanded to. Look what Hebrews says right here in Hebrews chapter 10. Let us hold to the confession of our hope without wavering since he who promised is faithful. And let us consider one another 
in order to provoke love and good works, not neglecting to gather together as some are in the habit of doing. Look at that. They had the same problem. People had other things that they wanted to do on their weekend and not gather together. But the author of Hebrews says we need to be doing these things together. And so for the Christian, it's not that I say, well, I can do all those things. I don't need Jesus. I, I don't need the church. I got my own life going on. No, we're commanded to not only do those things while we're apart, but we're commanded and God has set aside a day at a time that we do these things together as a church. But by the way, notice what he says here. We encourage one each other and all the more as you see the day approaching. That one of the reasons why he wants us to do this all together in community is because it also changes us. When you do these things often by yourself and when you do church by yourself, you know, that's one thing. You're going to grow. But there's something about saying when we sit in this room together, there's something said about when we gather, we're, not only are we commanded to do it, but there's something special about saying now I got to learn these things with people that I don't necessarily want to learn it with. You thought about that? You got to be in this room and we got to learn these things. And, and, and you're sitting around saying they definitely need to learn this today, right? <laughs> And I hope they're hearing. And you know what? God's making you hear it too, and we're having to figure this out together. There's something special that he does when he's not hitting both of us this way. There's something important when we gather together. It keeps us accountable. Notice here, it says, let us hold that confession of our hope, right? That when we're gathering together, we're helping strengthen each other, keep going. And can you imagine in a time when they would hit persecution? How easy it would be to say, I'm just not going to do this. I don't want to be found out. I, I, I can't take the pressure. What happens if they find out? What happens if I lose my job or if I, I, or I'm killed, right? To gather together people who encourage and say, we've got this. We can do this. There's something special about when we gather together for encouragement. It's a way to grow, by the way, in unity. When we pray for the same things, when we hear the same message together, we're all moving in the same direction, we're not all just saying, well, you know, I listened to this guy who said this or that. Like there's something special about when God gathers us together that this people hears these words for this day. It's for us. It's for us to grow in unity of mindset. And it's also for us to encourage each other to stay in this, to, to grow alongside each other. But you know what, it's important that once we think about church like this, that, that we should never lose the sight of the fact that the church is not a building, though. Right? This is things that we do in here. We're called to gather, to meet together in a, in a place together. But when it comes to what the church is, no one should leave here by thinking, all we got to do is make sure that we come to a building to do this together. No, we need to be reminded the church is much bigger than that. Look at these verses right here. This is from Romans. I want to show you something. Romans 16, 3 through 5. Paul says this. He says, Give my greetings to Prisca and Aquila, my co-workers in Christ Jesus, who risked their own necks for my life. Not only do I thank them, but, I do, but, but so do all the Gentile churches. That's, we'll come back to that. Greet also the church that meets in their home. It's interesting that it's a church that happens to meet in a certain place. You get how the New Testament talks about it. It's a people who meet in a place, it's not necessarily that it's the place. Like when we talk about coming to Oak Valley, we are Oak Valley as God has placed us all over this area. We just happen to meet in this building. 
Notice in here too, he says there are Gentile churches, meaning that there are churches even in those days that were made up of the community around them, of just people. These are the people who were in that area and this is who came in. And it's, and it's just, you reach those people and they're kind of like each other and this is what happens. And so here we are, we see that the church is a, it's, it's a people, it's, it's not a place. And it's made with different types of people. It reflects the community around them. But we need to recognize too that it says here, not, it's a, but so do all the other Gentile churches, meaning that we are not the only church. Even in those days, there was never this concept of, hey, we're the only ones that matter. We're the big dogs here. We're the only true church. Like as we gather together, we are part of something much bigger than what happens in this building. And God is working through his church as they're scattered in all different places as we're doing this together. We're part of something bigger. I mean, have you ever thought about too how we're part of, a, we're part of history? As the church gathers together, so has the church gathered together 100 years ago. And God was working through a, a group of people 100 years ago in the same way that he's working through us and 500 years ago and 1,000 years ago. One of the things we're doing on Wednesday nights is we're going through uh, uh, our Bible study together and uh, we're going through what's called the Baptist Catechism. It's our class called Beliefs, Stuff We Should Know. And we're looking at what the Baptists were talking about in the 1600s. And it's fascinating to think, what were they thinking about? They, they, they struggled with a lot of same things. There were different things that they struggled with, but the church has always been more than just who we are in this place right now. We're part of something bigger that God is doing. And here's something else that we, we cannot miss, though. As the church, as we gather in this building together, is, is not just who we are. We're, we're, we're part of something bigger. Notice what it says of who we truly are. Peter says this, you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his possession, so you may proclaim the praises of the one who called you out of darkness into marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. You had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Do you understand when it, we say we go to church, we say that we belong to church. This is what it truly should mean that we say we are part of the church. It's not that we're part of a building or we're part of a group that's here. We, we happen to be here, but this is who we truly are. Have you ever thought about that? You ever thought about that my identity, it's really a church is an identity? Granted, we do certain things as we get it, but it's part of our identity. And think about what it says about who you are as part of the church. If you're a Christian, if you follow Jesus, it says that you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood. These are the things, by the way, they're quoting from the Torah. This is, this is the stuff that he was talking about, the people of Israel, a special set-apart people for God. And it says that about the church. You are a chosen priest, a race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his possession, so that you may proclaim the, one, the praise of the ones who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. This is who you are. And so when we gather together, we're, we're saying, we are this. We believe these things are true. God has called us out. But it's, it's important to recognize that as we do church together, that it's not just for good people. You know, it might be that you might think, and maybe if you've not been in church for a while, you might think, well, church is just for good people. And you might think if you've been in church long enough, you think it is for good people. Don't bring any of that bad stuff here. Like this is who we are. We've been here a long time and, I, and you define your world by the things you don't do and the things you stay away from and how good and clean your life has been. 
But if you go back to what Peter was saying, the reason why we are this special people has nothing to do with how good you are. Notice what he said in here, and Paul's going to clear this up in just a second. We look at a passage there. He says, he called you out of darkness and into marvelous light. He says, once you were not a people. He says that we had no business actually truly belonging here. No one in this room has any business of actually having the privilege to be able to sit here. None of us deserve to be able to sit here and say, I'm here and I'm part of this because I'm the chosen people of God. I have no business doing that. Only because of the person of Jesus Christ. But he says, now you have received mercy. Right? You've had it. It's not because you're good that God has saved you. It's because you've been so bad that God had to do it himself. We look at this. Paul says this in Ephesians chapter 2. You were dead in your trespasses and sins in which you previously walked according to the ways of this world, according to the ruler of the power of the air, the spirit now working in the disobedient. And that's what he says about the church. We too all lived previously among them in our fleshly desires, carrying out the inclinations of our flesh and thoughts. And we were by nature under wrath as others were also. You understand that the biblical picture of who we are outside of Jesus prior to being saved is we don't belong to him. And none of us are good. Notice what it says in here. He says, right, that we were all, we were dead and we were all, we walked under who? Under the ruler of the power of the air, meaning we belong to the camp of Satan. Think about this. I want you to kind of figure out this story and tie it together. If you think about the story of creation, it starts with God creating Adam and Eve, and they live in the garden together, and there's, it's, it's perfect. God walks among them. But once you get to chapter 3, they throw that all away because they say, I know better, I want to do better, and then just enjoy what God has given to me. So they break that by going and eating the fruit, and then they're cast out of God's presence. So that here they are, they've now separated, and they no longer have this perfect relationship with God anymore. It's blown up. And so now they, have, they, they no longer live under that realm of that protection. They belong now into a world of sin that's been infected by sin. And what you see as you get out of chapter 3 is it just continues to snowball. And sin continues to spread, and it spreads through all people. That by chapter 6, it's so bad that we got to start all over again with the flood. But the truth is, that's who we are. We might say that, no, I'm not that bad. But think about this. No, we, we all are. We have all done the exact same thing. Whether it's something we think is small or not, all of us have done the same thing. They got kicked out of the garden for eating fruit, people. Right? And you think, have you done more than that? Have you disobeyed God and any of his rules more than just simply don't do this? All of us do this. We, we, you probably did it coming to church this morning, right? Let's, let's be honest. But here's the deal. This is who we are. The church prior, the only reason we're in here is, is not because we're good. This is who we were, he says. The church, all people who make up the church are a bunch of people who only lived dead under the influence of Satan, lived according to whatever we wanted to do. But then there's good news. It's the next verse here. But God, who is rich in mercy because of his great love that he had for us, made us alive with Christ. Even though you were dead in trespasses, you are saved by grace. Is there any wonder why we should sing when we gather together? Is it any wonder why we should 
wait eagerly to hear from God? Because the story of who we truly are, if you belong to the church, is you're a person who was in darkness under the, the belonging to the camp of the enemy, and Jesus rescued you. And he brought you out of darkness and into light. And not only did he bring you out of darkness into light, but he set you up and he's now made you his child. He's adopted you as a child of God. And so when we gather together, it's really, truly just saying, this is who we are. We praise the one who has saved us. We wait and we listen to the words that he has said. I want to live for him in all that we do. So the question I have for us today as we, we close out of here is for the Christian. Do you live like the church is your identity? Do you come and do you participate not for what you think you can get out of it, but you come because you have a heart to an understanding of what you were already given by Christ. Here's a question for all of us who have been at this a long time. Maybe you've been in the habit of just doing this and coming and coming. Will you make church a priority? Will you make it a priority to say, I am this. God has called me to this. He's changed me. He's, he's made me different. He's made me his own special people. And as a result, my life belongs to him. What I do belongs to him. And I will make it a priority to gather, to hear, to sing, to praise with my brothers and sisters one day a week and live for him the rest of my week. Maybe for some of us today, it's a time to repent. And to ask God to say, help me to live in light of this good news. Help me to, to live and make a change, to make him more of a priority than, than my week has been and that I've set it up. Maybe you're, you're not a Christian in here today. Let me ask you a question. Do you belong? What do you think? Do, do, you, do you want to belong to something like this? Do you recognize the story is, and the stakes are very high? It's not simply that we're saying you should belong to a church and you should belong to a place like Oak Valley, but we're saying you either belong to the people of God or you don't. Who do you belong to? Have you thought about that? If this is true, whose domain do you live under? See, the good news of the gospel is that Jesus Christ came. He was, he is God. And what did he do? He came because you and I lived under the domain of darkness. And he came as a man and lived this, walked this earth, lived perfectly, fulfilled all the things that God had for all humanity. They could never, they never did themselves. But he lives a perfect life. And what does God do is he, he puts him at the cross, right? So that he would punish him in our place. My record deserves punishment, for the things that I have done, the things that I will do, right? And God punishes Jesus in my place and in your place. He kills him because blood had to be shed. There's death that is required for our sin. And Jesus is put into a tomb. Three days later, though, God raises him to show that he was willing to do that. Make a great exchange. Your record for his which means when you walk away, not only do you have a clean record, one that says, now I belong to a new camp, but now I also walk every day in light of the record of Jesus. I stand in the perfect record of Jesus and no longer my own. Do you have that assurance? Do you want that? Do you want to belong to him? Do you want to belong to the church as we understand it in that way? I hope you would. Let me pray for you now. Lord God, I thank you for today. God, I thank you that as we gather here together, we are reminded that the church is not a, a group of people. Lord, the church is not a, it's not just something we do because we're, you know, 
we need to or we're in the habit of doing. God, for maybe some of us in here today, we've, we've made church about us. We've made it about our preferences. We've made it about our feelings. It's made it about tradition. Lord, maybe for some of us, we've not made church much about anything in our life. God, help us to, to recognize that the church should be about that we gather together to praise you for what you have done. You've taken us who don't belong here at all. You've taken our record and wiped it clean because we've trusted in the work of Jesus. Lord, we thank you that you've done this for us. But God, help us to never be content with just having an us mentality. Lord, help us to recognize, but it weren't for the great of, uh, grace of God, we would never even be here because you used someone to share to us and to tell us this great news. So Lord, help us to be a people who are built up, lifted up in this room. We gather together to praise you, to hear your word, but help us to go out and be about your business of sharing with others throughout the week and then bring us back to be equipped once again. God, we thank you that you have paid the price with your life, Jesus, on the cross for us. Help us to live in light of that, not to look lightly at your sacrifice. God, help us to give all of ourselves to you, to truly understand what it means to be the church, to understand why we gather. We thank you, God. We pray these things in your name. Amen.